my, my job is to somehow make them curious enough or persuade them by hook or crook to get more aware of themselves and where they came from and what they are into and what is already there and just to bring it out. This is what compels me to compel them. And I will do it by whatever means necessary. Welcome to the Black Girls Heal podcast, where we talk about healing our intimacy disorders, unresolved trauma, and building a healthy relationship with first ourselves and then others. Every episode, we will talk about advice you can apply today to break unhealthy patterns and grow in your self-worth. I'm Sheena Lachey, love addiction coach and trauma specialist. Let's begin. Hello, hello, and welcome to the latest episode of Black Girls Heal. I am so happy to be with you today, as always. A quick heads up before we get started. So I'm recording this on the day that it hopefully is coming out, which is Tuesday. If you're a long-term listener, you know that Tuesdays are the days that my long people are here, (laughs) and it is in the middle of the morning because... I had to take my mind, my son to speech therapy and all the things. So if you hear a lawnmower in the background, my apologies. It was either a way to extra day to get this episode to you or record it now. So I'm recording it now. Uh, I actually had another podcast episode planned out and it was going to be going over the roadmap for love deprivation. And uh, the thing happened where I listened to it and I'm, editing it and I'm thinking about it and something in my gut is like this isn't the episode that's supposed to be dropped today so it was all ready and 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 we're in a go and I was listening to it and I was like I don't really I don't really align with this right now not with the teaching but I don't align with this being what the audience needs to hear and so what I am going to talk about which you have seen in the title is the question should I tell them that I'm a love addict and in this episode, I'm going to be going over all the things, all things that are questions about disclosure and how much of your story and how much do you share with people and why and why not and when and all of that today, because that is a question that I get often. I get often when you are dating someone, do you tell them when you are meeting someone new uh, and we've talked about the impact of emotional trauma dumping and sharing too much. And then there are some of us who are just learning how to share our stories, period, and learning how to be vulnerable with people and let them in. And so then the question is, well, how much do I share or how much do I not share? So we're going to be talking about that today. Shout out to whoever commented that question. Someone commented that on either YouTube or Instagram. I I can't remember which, but whoever it was, I saw it. And that's going to be our episode for today. So if that's something that you want to hear about, stay with me. Here we go. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. Before we get started, let's take a small break to say thank you to this week's sponsors. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. Before we get started, let's take a small break to say thank you to this week's sponsors.
With the crazy heat waves we are experiencing this summer, especially here in Texas, it can be hard to stay fresh while you're out and about. And that's why I've incorporated the Honey Pot's foaming wash and wipes into my daily routine. The Cucumber Aloe Honey Pot wipes provide a quick refresh when I leave a day of errands and head to a girl's night with friends. If you're heading to an outdoor concert or festival, the Honey Pot wipes are a must to keep you fresh between the fun. Both the foaming wash and wipes are plant-derived, backed by science, dermatologist-approved, gynecologist approved and hypoallergenic get 25% off your first order from the honeypot.co slash summer that's t-h-e-h-o-n-e-y-p-o-t dot c-o slash summer to get 25% off your first order and join the hive today so you've heard me share about my journey with vitamin D and how a deficiency was causing havoc in my life, causing depression that was not helped by therapy, emotional support skills, and other resources that I had access to because the source was organic and coming from inside my body. And it was only by healing my body with vitamin D supplements that I actually saw change. And I'm not alone with me being part of the 82% of black women in America who struggle with the vitamin D deficiency due to our melanin not being able to synthesize as much vitamin D from the sun. But Black Girl Vitamins is a proud black owned brand that develops vitamins to address the specific needs of black women like iron and vitamin D deficiency. Each purchase contributes to a scholarship fund that supports black women pursuing healthcare education. Plus they're vegan friendly and free Free from harmful additives. Try Black Girl Vitamins to see improved health in areas such as energy, fertility, and pregnancy support, balancing your blood sugar, and more. Get 10% off your first order with the code HEAL10 at blackgirlvitamins.co. That's B-L-A-C-K-G-I-R-L-V-I-T-A-M-I-N-S dot co and use promo code heal 10 to get $10 off. Take control of your health and level up your summer with black girl vitamins. It's time to make this summer your healthiest one yet. So like I said, this is a question that I have been asked multiple times, especially by coaching students who are working with me because they are starting to date again and or starting to date in a different way by way of working together. And they've taken to heart the idea of, okay, we're supposed to go slower. And as a love addict, it's very easy to go quickly. It's very easy to fall. It's very easy to overshare and mistake the fact that we are sharing traumatic information or our deepest fears with someone else and mistaking that that intimacy and that vulnerability with it being that this person really understands me when really what you're feeling is the um, hormonal hormonal and emotional effects and the nervous system effects of letting out something so deeply intimate and you're attaching it to this other person like it's not true intimacy it's not true mutual vulnerability is your projection and your desire to be seen and feel safe and you're with someone who's allowing you to put that on them um, because there's benefit with them and so we don't want that to happen we don't want that that confusion to happen. And we also don't want you to uh, have an, a vulnerability hangover, which is when you share so much with someone and then you regret it. You start to feel like, oh, did I overwhelm them? Um, I think I said parts of the story that I wasn't really wa- wanting to share yet. Um, they didn't give me any validation or affirmation to let me know that this is okay or that I'm not crazy or that there's nothing wrong with me. And now I'm feeling this big shame cycle and I'm feeling this, I'm feeling overwhelmed with that. And we don't want that to happen either. Okay. 
So um, in today's episode, I'm going to talk about three things that you do not need to share with them. So the first first thing that I want to say that you do not need to share with someone who is new into your life until they have earned the trust and y'all have built a real connection together is sharing your trauma. So the overall question, do I tell them I'm a love addict, always comes up in the context that I've, the context I've always heard it come up in is, do I let them know this big flaw that I have? I have very rarely met someone who is like, I want to tell them I'm a love addict because it is a part of my life and my identity and it's a part of how I work that I fully embrace and I have no shame around. It's almost like this apology. Like I want to let them know what they're getting into ahead of time. So do I tell them I'm a love addict? And it's because you feel shame about this. You feel like there's something wrong with you. You feel like you're broken. And so you're projecting that this person is going to think that as well. So you've heard me say before that no one can make you feel anything about you that you don't already feel about yourself. So even if you were to give all of these disclaimers and all of these warnings and all of these, you know, um, infomercials about who you are and what you bring and what they have to to come in with it's not going to make you feel any more safe if anything you're going to be more anxious and more scared that now they know everything and every single moment is this the time that they're going to leave is this the time they're going to change their mind is this the time that they are going to be done and sick with me because what you're trying to do when you do that when you share all this stuff about yourself up front is you're trying to push them away Um, or you're trying to, you know, our inner child really needs to be loved and really needs to be taken care of. She really needs to be seen. She really needs to be valued. And so sometimes what we do when we are not properly imbalanced and grounded within ourselves is we will mistakenly hand off our deepest wounds and traumas to somebody else by way of, Hey, here's this thing that I really struggle with. Here's this thing that I feel really insecure about. Let me just let you know ahead of time that this is what I'm dealing with. And if that person responds with any semblance of acceptance or any semblance of, okay, that's no problem. That's great. It immediately makes that inner child think, Oh, Finally, a person who loves me. Finally, a person who gets me. Finally, someone who is not going to leave me and they see me for who I am and they love me. And the loyalty that that inner child, that the loyalty that that wounded part of yourself will give that person the undying commitment that it will give to this person who hasn't earned it at all. All they said was, that's cool. Or all they said was, I get it. Or all they said was, yeah, my dad left me too. And that is that has that is not the same as proving and showing by action, by time and consistency that they are a safe person. But we will show up and we will commit and we will defend and we will make excuses for and we will justify someone who gave us what is basic common decency, basic common self-acceptance, because we have self-rejected ourselves so much. So getting a piece of that is intoxicating and it's overwhelming and we want more of it. And so um, this is why I continue to say that our inner work is the most important because once you are able to accept the parts of yourself that you continue to reject, once you're able to practice that self-love, other people giving you common decency and and self-respect and love won't be so 
mind blowing. It won't be so world changing. It won't be so big because it's what you already know and believe about yourself. And then it will eliminate that part of you that wants to give these disclosures from the beginning because you already have. So with love addiction, basically being a representation representation of your trauma and how it shows up with you over attaching to other people, under serving yourself, self-denial, losing your sense of identity, that is not something that you need to share with anybody going on. That's something for you to know is something for your coach. Hello, me is something for your coach to know is something for your therapist to know It's something for the people who are keeping you accountable and loving on you through it in your friendship circle that are healthy sources of, of support and love is something for them to know. But some random person that's just coming around, whether or not it is a potential partner or lover or someone who you don't know, um, that you're trying to build friendship with, we don't lead with our traumas. You know, one of the, one of the things that you will learn as you start your healing journey as a love addict, if you're just starting out is learning how to separate what happened to you from who you are and understanding that who you are has nothing to do with the things that, well, let me take that back. They may add to your story and add to the lessons that you have learned and help shape your perspective and your values and what you want to do and how you want to show up. But they are not you. You, you are not what your dad did to you or what your mom didn't do for you. You are not equal to, um, the level of poverty that you had or, um, the impact of crime on your family life. You are not the, you are not a narcissist daughter. You are Jessica. You are Sarah. You are Tasha. You are Toya. You are you. And everything that comes underneath that is what makes you special, what makes you valuable, what makes you interesting. And a lot of people who are still living in their love addiction or just coming out or still living in their past and living in their trauma, what makes it so consuming and what makes it so overwhelming and what makes it so hard for you to like grasp the concept of you don't have to explain yourself or leave with your trauma or give people disclaimers because you haven't discovered how beautiful you are, how amazing you are, how talented you are, how wonderful you are. You don't know who you are yet. You don't know the jewel and the treasure that you are. And so once you have, when you have someone who comes around, who's giving you a little bit of attention and giving you a little bit of time, it feels like it's brand new because you don't truly enjoy yourself. If you truly enjoyed yourself and you knew how amazing you were, it wouldn't feel so rare when this happened outside of you. I was watching a video the other day of a woman who was saying that she was talking about a man that she ended up getting a divorce from. And she said that he was a nice guy, but not a good guy, right? In hindsight. But she was saying how before she met him, She was in a major city that will remain nameless, Uh, but she was in a major city where she kept having all of these run-ins with men that are look good on paper, but they didn't have integrity and they didn't have, you know, um, they weren't consistent or they weren't kind and they weren't loving and all this stuff. Right. And, you know, they had money, they had cars, they had prestige, they had status, they had all this stuff, but it was just a whole lot of empty connections and not really what she was looking for emotionally. So then she met this man who emotionally seemed like he could listen and um, cared for her and like was really kind and was really loving. And just having that, that contrast, she immediately felt like, well, this was safe. 
And but, you know, as she told the story and then once she got to the end and talked about it in hindsight and she, you know, was, you know, people can ask questions and people do follow up videos. So someone asked a question like and you you what are they saying? They said something to the effect of like you didn't see any red flags or you were truly blind, like there was really nothing. And so after she shared her story, she was like, of course, like now I can see. Now I can see that there were all these things that I chose to ignore and chose to um, excuse and chose to justify because, um, you know, the the experience that I had in relationships before that were so not fulfilling and not the op- not what I wanted. And so once I had someone who met me with love, I was willing to I, I didn't see anything else. And I that's what I'm trying to describe to y'all, that when we are not careful and we were so love starved and love deprived, not from ex- external, but from ourselves. Like when the way that we raise our standards, y'all, is not by having a declaration and a list of this is what I want and these are the rules of requirement. The only way we get to those things is by actually believing that we are queens on the inside and not like I'm a queen. Like I wish y'all could see my posture <laughs> to see how I'm saying this, but not like, you know, hands on hip and I'm a queen and I deserve to be loved. But from like inside that, like it's embodiment that is coming from inside your, your gut, your soul, and is rising from the inside of you. It comes from a self-belief and many of us are very caught in our insecurities and our shame and what we feel out or feel like are our deficits and the things that are wrong with us and the things that we don't bring with the table that it makes us feel like we need to apologize for something versus understanding that for anyone to have access to our mind and our body, our spirit, our, our energy, our time is a gift. It is a gift. You are a gift. And the only person that can tell you that you're a gift where you can actually believe it is you. Otherwise, you will be very dependent on people outside of you telling you your gift, telling you that you're beautiful, telling you that you're wonderful. And when that supply starts to run out, when it starts to get less or when it comes so much that your insecure thoughts, you know, you're not able to receive it when you don't believe it. So it doesn't matter how much somebody's telling you, you don't believe you don't believe them and you're looking for um, reasons that reasons to safeguard this because it feels so flimsy. It feels so delicate and that's whether or not the person is actually unavailable or whether or not they are actually committed to you. It's all coming from the inside out. So you do not need to leave with your trauma to when you first start meeting someone because you are a person that's full of in-depth likes and experiences and dreams and jokes and things that just make you you. And that is what you lead with. You connect with your identity. If you don't know what that looks like, then let me know and we can talk about it more. Uh, Folks who are in the dating course, there is a dating one-on-one for love addicts course. You can, um, you can find it at blackgirlsheal.org slash dating. You can let me know if you want to have just a whole lesson specifically on this and we can, we can get started. Um, we can add that to our repertoire. Um, and of course, you know, recovery school students, you are included in that as well. So, so yeah, we lead with who we are. So that's the first thing that we do not tell people when we first meet them because they don't need to know. And those are parts of our life that they will get access to as we learn to trust them, as we decide, do I even want them to be a part of this, to know these parts of myself? You know, there, when you are available, availability does not mean that you 
um, share your deepest, darkest secrets with, with strangers. It means that you're available to build relationships and grow in love and connection with them. It means that you are not putting up a wall when someone wants to hang out and be your friend and you're not making it difficult for them to spend time with you and to get to know you and get to know what your favorite color is or get you to crack a smile or get you to initiate a phone call with them that you are open and available that way. But there are, there is a healthy progression of intimacy and relationships. Of course, there are some people that we meet and we like have that instant friendship and like, you know, you know, we, um, have the same energy and we can immediately play off of each other. And that's wonderful. Those are fun. Those are really fun experiences. And I'm not telling you that when that happens for you to pump the brakes and say, wait a minute, I'm getting too excited. I'm getting too happy. Let's slow down. And then, you know, completely dampen the experience. What I'm telling you is enjoy that relationship and that friendship, but understand that still having access to your heart and your trust is something that should be gained over time. Um, and you do not need to have a 12 hour conversation about everything that's happened to you because you will mistake the, the release of sharing those things with the fact that this person is truly there for you when really all they had to do was just listen to you talk. And that doesn't mean that they connect. They're actually going to be the person and have the skill set to, to have longevity in your life, to actually be there for you. And if anything, maybe this should be a sign if you've had a lot of relationships like this, where all that person had to do was just listen to you. Hey, we hope you're enjoying the podcast so far. Let's take a quick break to say thanks to this week's sponsors. As our country continues to grow and make new meaning of the intersection between current and historical events, it is so important to stay connected to the voices and the leaders who are influencing what progress, connection, equality, and truth mean to us as Black people. The next generation of influential Black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of Blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's Black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the Black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective. From Bobby Shmurda to The Wire, Michelle Obama to Reparations, there's no limit to the range of Black stories, Black Truths. Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection from some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Hear a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcasts that center Black voices. It's NPR Noir. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as varied, nuanced, and Black as the country we reflect. Stories should never be about us without us. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths on NPR, wherever you get your podcasts. When healing from an intimacy disorder, one of the first things you have to do right after getting clear on your patterns of addictive behaviors, avoiding behaviors, and living in deprivation is clearing out the roots that caused it, clearing out the experiences, the traumas, the narratives that have kept you stuck all of these years. In my signature coaching program, The Recovery School, you have the opportunity to reveal the sources of low self-worth, to learn about how old roles in your family have resulted in codependency, shutting down, and not letting others in. 
and also to learn how to talk to and connect to your inner child in a way that is soothing and healing. This is the next step to reframing the old stories that have plagued you for years to evolve to being a healed and loved woman and having access to the love and the relationships and self-worth that you've always wanted. Learn more and get started by going to therecoveryschool.com. Again, that is therecoveryschool.com. And commiserate or say me too, or say I get it, or I've been there, or say that should have never happened to you. Maybe you haven't had a lot of experiences where people have validated you in this way. So the The key is to find more relationships with people who do this, whether or not it is a therapist or whether or not it is the friends that you may already have around you that really want to get to know you, but that you are not allowing in. You know, I was talking with a friend the other day about, and I think I've even shared it on this podcast, so I'll just reshare it here, that one of the things that I've had to do in my healing journey is I've had to look at the places that I've been resistant to do things with friends or for friends and say, if this was a man, would I want to do these things for them and not have all the, all the feelings around it? So would I have issues with, um, showing up to this thing if this person was actually a man that I was dating, right. Versus, um, a friend, right. And if, if the answer was yes, that I would feel more happy if this was a man versus a woman, a female friend, then I was like, okay, this is my love addiction. This is my centering men coming up. This is me prioritizing and idealizing a relationship with, um, with romantic intrigue as being more pleasurable and more fun and more important than the relationships with my female friends. And I need to stop tripping and I need to show up. Right. And so then of course I show up, I do the thing. It's a great time. And I'm like, girl, why? <laughs> Why are you sabotaging your ability to have love and connection with people? You have it around you and you have it in spades. And so those are some of the come to Je- come to Jesus honesty moments that I've had to have with myself when it came to prioritizing what were the relationships that could actually fulfill me and what were the relationships that actually made me feel good and feeling lonely or feeling not access to, to partnership when really I had so many multiple partners around me the whole time. So connected to this oversharing or undersharing, are you undersharing with people in your life? Do you have access to people who can truly listen and be there for you, but they are not, you're not utilizing them, right? Hey, we hope you're enjoying the podcast so far. Let's take a quick break to say thanks to this week's sponsors. Ladies, I am so excited to share that for this podcast episode, I've partnered with eHarmony, the dating app that helps people find real genuine connection. And for me, this app has absolutely held true to their promise, connecting me to a truly incredible relationship and partnership with someone who truly gets me. Dating apps can be so hard when it comes to filtering through persons who you may not have anything in common with or who may not be super serious about the process and committed. With eHarmony's one-of-a-kind compatibility quiz, you get a baseline standard in every match of your compatibility around values, communication styles, likes and dislikes, energy levels, and so much more. My experience with eHarmony has always been superb with not only the quality of men I was matched with, but also with our compatibility when dating, eliminating the stress of feeling as if I was wasting my time. So join the dating app that helps users find their most authentic relationships. eHarmony, get who gets you and start free today. Or you give them 
you give them less chances for forgiveness. You know, I, I can't even credit the person. I want to say who it was. And I actually, I want to, I want to say exactly how they said it, but I heard someone say recently that they were reminiscing and reflecting over how many chances they will give a romantic partner to screw them over, to break their trust, to not show up the right way in a conversation, to forget to call back, to forget to text backs that like when you were in a romantic partnership or when this person is a, was in a romantic partnership or is in a romantic partnership, the amount of chances they give them before they completely cut them off is exponential compared to friends. Like somehow when it comes to people who are our friends and our chosen family, there's this expectation that if you don't get it right, and this may not be for everybody. So take this, if this is for you. And if not, please leave it. But especially for those of us who struggle with love addiction, it can be very easy for us to trump romantic partnerships and in our pedestal of them, we give them more chances. We give them more benefit of the doubt when things happen or miscommunications happen. We're more likely to say, well, it's because they're dealing with this, or this is what they told me is a hard time for them. Or, you know, they let me know that this is what's going on with their trauma or this, they're struggling with depression or they're struggling with anxiety. But when it comes to friendships, we either don't give them those chances or we may verbally say, okay, I get that this is what they're going through, but we make a tally mark in our head. We're collecting evidence for why this person is not good for us and making it so much easier for us to create distance in our friendships. But when I, but when it comes to romantic partnerships, we have to go through hell and back when we struggle with love addiction to actually be like, huh, maybe this isn't good for us. And we'll use all of our communication skills with a romantic partner. We'll say all the things, this is what I need. And this is what I expect. But when it comes to our friendships, we don't give that same amount of love and care and grace. And so that is something for you to keep in mind. If any of this relates to you in ways that you may be tripping and can do better. And I say that with love because I'm able to tell this to you because it's things that I've done as well. And it's the same stuff that I've had to have moments of honesty with myself for. And of course, you know, help women all over the world have moments of honesty for. And so it's okay. This is just part of us being like, huh, sometimes I am the victim. And sometimes I am the person who's on the other end of this problem. And sometimes I'm both. And so you get, you get to do the healing work on whatever side that you land on to make sure that you can grow from it. So you do not need to share with folks about your trauma. The second thing that kind of connects to this actually is that you do not need to apologize for who you are. So these kind of go along with each other that people will want to say, well, let me tell you what's what, what I'm bringing, right? Let me tell you what's going on. But then also it could be like, you know, I'm so sorry that I'm so much, or I'm so sorry that you didn't have to deal with this. Or I'm so sorry that, uh, that I'm not perfect in this way. And I'm so sorry that I have these insecurities and we apologize. And, you know, the thing about relationships, all relationships, but since I'm talking about romantic partnerships, mostly you will have moments because relationships are a mirror you will have these moments when y'all are talking and connecting and something is shown, something is triggered, something's responded to. And if you're with a healthy, available person and y'all are talking it out as two adults do, you're talking it out 
and you are also growing on your own, I, I bet money that you will have a moment that you're like, oh my God, I am the problem. And so in that context, it makes sense for you to be like, oh my God, if this, if this were to happen, it would make sense for you to be like, I am so sorry that I keep putting this on you, you know, but in that it's more of you, it's you taking ownership of what you've done. Of course, there is some of that, wow, I feel so exposed and I feel so vulnerable and you can really see me and you can see these parts of me that I really, I didn't know that they were there. I didn't know that they were that deep. And this person in front of you is, um, you know, they have these next moments in their hands, right? You know, so it's a very palpable, tender moment, right? And so those types of moments do happen. They do happen, especially if you're with someone for a long period of time. However, in the concept of people who very much struggle with their love addiction, and they're still very much in a cycle, it's a continual, I'm just, I just feel so grateful that you love me kind of thing. There's like this, um, um, you feel indebted to them, that they would take a chance on someone like you, that they would um, be so patient with someone like you, that they would um, dare to give time or attention or money to someone who is so broken and so, and like, again, feeling that, that obligation, that commitment that you need to repay their generosity, that they are bestowing love and kindness and attention onto you with your loyalty and, and your fidelity and your care and your complete defense of any actions of mistrust or them dropping the ball or being flaky. Well, they, they are giving so much to me just by being here. So I can, I can give them the benefit of doubt and being patient and girl, I want you, I want you to know that they ain't doing you no favors. Again, we gotta, we gotta reroute these, these connections in our mind. We are doing them a favor. You are a gift. You are a gift. And of course, you know, it, no matter, no matter who they are, you know, their mama would say that they're a gift. I would even say that they're a gift if I was talking to them, but I'm talking to you. I need you right now. You have, you have put yourself like five levels lower than this person. And as if they are the ultimate prize. And I need you to raise yourself up, my dear, and to know that you are on the same level, if not more for some of the people that y'all be dating <laughs> for some of them. Y'all are, y'all really are. You really are on a higher level than them in so many ways. But because again, we are so touch starved, love starved, self-acceptance starved, self-compassion starved. We take these crumbs of human decency and make it up that they are the love of our lives and that they get us more than anybody else when they're just treating us with the same amount of humanity that we should have been treated with forever and we should be treating ourselves with. They are nothing special. They are nothing special. Or rather, the attention that they are giving you is nothing special. You should have people who pay attention to you. You should have people who buy you gifts. You should have people who plan dates for you. You should have people who want to spend time with you. You should have people who listen to you. You should have people who want to make you laugh. You should have people who want to compromise with you. You should have people who sometimes may sacrifice some things for you. You should have people who do all these things. These are all what happens when you are joining a life with someone voluntarily, when you are asking for someone to have access to, to their life, to their heart, these are basic, 
basic things that you should be receiving. And so them answering your phone or them wanting to hang out or them listening to you when you've had a bad day is something that should be a normal experience or a normal expectation for you and not something that feels so abnormal and rare. And if it does, we got to look at our inner work and our inner um, stories that make this feel like this is something that feels very scarce to us, that it feels very, um, that um, there's a lot of lack around, that there's a part of us that doesn't like ourselves or we don't quite know who we are. So some of you saw in our members club how I had a lesson that talked about how to be obsessed with yourself and build self-love. And so that is the stage that many of us need to need to to go to. So love addiction is about having this rumination, this obsession with another person and thinking that they are the answer, thinking that they are the cure, thinking that they are the prize. And I've already said in this episode, the answer is actually not them and not finding the right person for you to obsess about. You know, even if you find the right person, you're still going to have the same insecurities. You're still going to struggle with the same problems with self-belief. You're still going to have the same set of issues. And so it's changing the obsession with other people, excuse me, it's changing the obsession with other people and building that type of self-obsession, self-obsession with you and doing it in a healthy way that's so consuming and so life-giving and so transformational that everything else outside of that comes easier, okay? So that is the process you need to go on. And you can check out that lesson in the Members Club. That's different than the Recovery School. The Members Club is our um, our smaller subscription that you can find on Apple Podcasts. You can find it on YouTube. You can find it on Instagram. I believe I'm going to try to see if I can add it to Spotify too, just because I know not everybody has an iPhone. Um, but I'm, I try, I'm trying to put like the members club in all these different places that people already listen to the podcast and you're already following us so that you don't really have to do a lot of work to get more access and more information. But yeah, it's a 50 minute lesson. It's part one. We're going to do multiple parts. I did, an, I did another drop in lesson yesterday that talked about how to cope with a weak ego. So when you have a very low sense of self where you don't quite know who you are. And so you're overcompensating in some areas and then you're hiding and sabotaging other areas. And so that is a 17 minute lesson where I really just go in depth about where it comes from, why it happens and really encouraging y'all to move forward and double downing on some things that I talked about in the first lesson. So, so there's access to that there and you can stay as long as you want or cancel anytime. So that's available for you to do a deep dive there if you want to learn more about that. But yes, you do not need to apologize for who you are and feel grateful. Like you are, um, like a love beggar. You know, and I know that that is how many of us feel. We feel very empty and we feel very achy and we feel um, very discarded and we feel very rejected and all the other ways that we may try to fluff up, fluff up our life when it comes to these types of areas, that's how we feel. And so I just want you to know that you do not need to be grateful to whoever for paying you attention. You know, I dated one person at one point and this person um, am I going to say what they were? Huh? I'm not going to say that part. This person 
this person talked a lot about being able to, they were very proud of the fact that they were a frugal person and they were very proud of the fact that they would get deals. And this is not only the fact that they said this, but that they felt comfortable enough to say it, but also that I didn't clock it says a lot about where I was at the time. This person as that I didn't clock it as like disrespectful or bold. This person said to me, um, they were talking about how they're really good at making deals or like, you know, being frugal and like getting like the best out of everything. And, um, that was one part of the conversation. And then later on the conversation, I think I was talking about like an insecurity or something that I had or how I felt like not enough. And they were like, Sheena, I just, I want you to see you the way that I see you and all the things that I'm doing and all the things that I give you, like it's nothing in comparison to, um, to who you are. You know, these are things that I like heard before, but, um, not only from him, but from other people in the past. Right. So I sit there and I'm like thinking about it and something, something like resonates with me differently on that day. And I was like, I feel like, I feel like you're almost, if I put all this stuff together that you're saying that you kind of are getting me at a deal that if I actually knew exactly how beautiful and special and wonderful I am, that you wouldn't have a chance. (laughs) Right. And they didn't say anything. And I, you know, again, at that time, at that point in time, it didn't really resonate what was happening and what was going on, but they were right. Like if I actually had access to, to everything that I was, everything that I am, everything that I brought, um, the level and status of who I am and, and what I add to a partner, then they would not have had a chance. They would not have been able to talk to me and they would have had to, um, work even harder to even turn my head. Right. And that person knew that. And that person was telling that to me. And I'm sharing the story because I think that's where many of y'all are too, who may be in this love beggar status that you have people who are getting access to you that should not even be able to be in the same vicinity of you unless they are standing behind you in line at Target. But you are building a life and building a relationship with them. And they are so, and not even that, this isn't about human worth because every person is valuable. And I, and I hope that, I hope I say that enough that people understand why I'm, why I'm talking in these extremes, that I'm not saying that someone is like, trash and you're like treasure because every person has inherent value, but I'm saying you may be lowering, lowering yourself to someone who cannot or does not know how to treat you and love you in the way that you want to long-term because they are giving you bits of attention and bits of time and bits of energy that you really feel you really want access to. And you may, if you haven't already, you may start to feel the effects of what happens when you're in a relationship with someone who is not your match. And then you may start to wonder, okay, am I, am I doing something wrong? Am I asking for too much? Right? Cause now you're hooked. Now you're hooked. Now you're emotionally invested and you start to kind of do all these mental gymnastics to try to justify 
Maybe I need to meet them where they are and know that person needs to rise up to your level. And if they can't rise up to your level, either if they can't or they don't, they don't know how to, then they are not the right fit for you. And that doesn't mean that they are not a good person. It doesn't mean that they are not going to make somebody else super happy. It doesn't mean that they are not um, bringing everything that they can, but y'all may not be the right fit. Okay. I feel like there's a lot of tough love in today's episode that I wasn't planning for. So hopefully, hopefully this is why spirit was guiding me to change the topic for today <laughs> to talk about this. Hopefully this is for someone who know who needs to hear it um, and needs to hear it exactly how I'm saying it. Um, and if it's not you, if there's someone that you know may need to hear it, then share this episode with them. And the last thing that I will share is that you do not need to share with them or you do not need to tell them. And this is all related. I feel like they're all like kind of like um, overlapping and there it's a Venn, Venn diagram of a lot of these. But the last thing that you do not to sh- do not need to share with them is you do not need to involve them in your treatment plan of things that you are working on. So all of these are examples that I have either heard people do, seen people do, or I've done myself. <laughs> and so again, I'm not, I'm sharing this out of mutual understanding and also to let you know that it's okay. It's okay that these are areas that we grow from and that it gets better. But when I say involving them in your treatment plan, this kind of goes along with like apologizing or talking about your trauma and, you know, trying to, trying to make sure that they're okay with, you know, all this stuff that you're dealing with. But I've seen people and heard of people who have been like, well, I am going to, because I feel so bad about how broken I am or how wrong I am, I'm going to tell them upfront that I'm in therapy. I'm going to literally say in the conversation, these are things that I'm working on, but don't worry about it. I'm in therapy right now. And I just want you to think objectively, if you are on the other side of the table from someone who was like, you know what, I really struggle with this insert severe mental health issue, but no worries. I am going to therapy for it. And y'all are just talking over mozzarella sticks at a restaurant. That is like, that is like something huge and too big. And it doesn't meet, it doesn't meet the level of trust that y'all have. It doesn't match the level of depth that y'all have had in the relationship. So when you lead with those types of things with people who don't even know your favorite color or your favorite movie. And y'all don't even know if y'all actually like each other enough consistently for a set period of time before you start sharing things with them about your, your trauma treatment with your therapist, that it probably took you time to build trust with him or her to share those things with them. Right? Like we give immediate access sometimes to people who don't need to know these things. And also it may scare them. You know, I had, one person who I was dating and he was, he was a really great guy. And I'm not going to tell you what he shared with me because, um, because, because, (laughs) because it's part of his story, but we had a few really great dates. He had driven for, he was out, he lived out of the city and he drove to Houston to take me out. Um, it was back when I was still, um, you know, going to church every Sunday. He came to church with me. We talked about ministry all the time. Um, he, uh, he met my friends. He brought my, uh, my favorite pair, uh, my favorite flavor of cookies from my favorite bakery 
that wasn't in Houston yet, but it was still in Austin. So he he drove those down. He um, brought me my favorite um, flowers. Like he was just so attentive and so loving, right? But we had like it was still like pretty new. It was just a few weeks, but he was like making an effort, right? He was like showing up, and he told me how he's telling his friends about how he like was really excited about us dating and that his friends, he told me on the phone, he said, my friends told me that I shouldn't tell you this, but I just really think that I should let you know, um, ahead of time. So he told me something that he was struggling with. And at that point in time, for me, it was a deal breaker. It was something that like, just seemed like very foreign to me and something that I just wasn't I couldn't wrap my mind around. And so I ended up cutting it off. And I can say that if he, if he would have waited and if we would have had a little bit more intimacy and trust and connection, that what he shared wouldn't have felt so big. Like it just, it didn't match the moment. And so that's what actually scared me off. You know, with some time, I probably could have work through it. And this isn't me like this, what it was, it wasn't even a red flag, at least to me, it wasn't. Um, but in that moment it was like, Whoa, that's a lot. And it was like being dumped into my lap to, to deal with. And I, it was new enough to where I didn't have to deal with it. Right. And so sometimes there may be some things that we need to decide to hold on to. And it's not because we're being deceptive. It's not because we're trying to trick people. It's because we're trying to respect the fact that this is like what may be a big emotional load for us will be that so much more for someone who's just getting to know us, right? And so maybe there are some things that is best for you to wait a little bit to disclose if it's something that you do need to disclose. And there are some things that you don't need to going back to the top of the episode. It's just things that you feel shame around. So you're projecting that other people will reject you for it. And um, you're anticipating that other people will shame you for it because you feel shame. But once you actually start to accept it, and once you actually start to heal from it and release it, it won't be a big deal. And then you'll find that it's never been a big deal for anybody else. But there are some things that um, maybe um, make or breaks for some folks, or it may be things that are contrary in values. But instead of you sharing that on the first or second date or the third or fourth date, maybe you can wait a little bit and use some guidance and use some wisdom. And if you have some other people who are giving you devil's advocate about whether or not you need to share it, listen to them. That doesn't mean that they're right. We can learn how to take the feedback from our friends and loved ones and kind of weigh it with, okay, does this feel true? Just because other people disagree with whether or not you should share it doesn't mean that they are right. Um, But it does mean that they're saying it out of love. And so you get to decide, does it fit for you for this situation or not? Okay. And I say the same thing for my coaching students too. If they ask me for my feedback, I'm going to tell them, but I'm also going to say that they have the full discretion to choose what works best for them because they are the ones who have to live through it. They are the experts of their life. They know themselves and they know the other folks better than I know them. And so it's really important for us to feel empowered to make these decisions for ourselves. And sometimes we choose and it's the right thing. Like we should have held on to it and we shouldn't have disclosed it. And sometimes we hold on to something and we're like, man, I should have said this a little bit earlier, but you're only going to know that by living through it. And so these mistakes 
are always contributing to our wisdom. They're always making us stronger. They're always giving us more information for the future. There's never anything that's lost um, whenever we, we have these types of moments where we learn in this way. Okay. So that is it y'all for today's episode uh, about do you tell them if you are a love addict? I hope that I gave you a lot of reasons to give pause before you go on an apology tour or before you kind of lead with shame because y'all are amazing. Every single person listening to this episode is an amazing person. And yeah, we all have our flaws. We have our insecurities. We have the places that we need to grow. We have things that we will need to learn how to compromise and stretch on. We have the things that we are going to have to unlearn and relearn. But so does the person who you're inviting into your life. They are another human being on this journey who's also learning and growing. But what you get to decide is, is this a person that I want to learn and grow with? Is this a friend that I want to learn and grow beside through this next chapter or season of my life or for a lifetime? Is this a romantic partner that I want to learn and grow about myself with for a lifetime? And is this a person that actually wants to learn and grow with me as well? And if you have someone who, when they find these things out that they do shame you, y'all, that is a red flag. That is a red flag. There's a difference between someone saying, okay, this is something that I can't really rock with, right? Like this is a level of emotional need that I don't have the capacity for. And someone can say that and that is not, it feels like rejection, but someone can say that in love and they can be really trying to not reject you, but just say where their capacity is. Right. And sometimes that can be hard to distinguish, distinguish, but sometimes we can share things with people and their reaction is one of shame is one of judgment is one of, Oh, I could never feel that way or just get over it. Or, um, they may use what you've shared against you and, um, like say, well, you know, you think too much or remember you told me you think too much or you know that you have anxiety or you know that you struggle with this or maybe this is your codependency and you just need to work on it or you're overthinking and they will go and try to twist and turn what you have shared in confidence and trust with them around on you. And those are all warning signs and red flags. If or when you share something with someone that is vulnerable about around your trauma, around your life, around your love, around your hopes and your dreams. You want to make sure that that person is treating it with care and respect. Even if they don't understand it, even if they can't relate, even if they don't know what to say, all of those are appropriate things for them to say, but anything that's like, ew, anything that gets off that type of energy is not what you need because you're already dealing with your own thoughts of self-criticism and shame and self-doubt. So, so, so for someone to add on to that is again, the last thing that you need. Okay. So that is it for today's episode. I'm running late for my next appointment. I hope that y'all enjoyed it. And I hope that this episode actually gets published (laughs) and that I don't change my mind. And so if you're hearing this, I guess it did. I'm sending y'all all so much love and I will see you in our next episode and I will see the rest of you in our members club who join us later on. All right. Talk to you later. Take care of yourselves. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. 
every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.